you know that the Amazon River used to flow in the opposite direction? This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, lifestyle, and entertainment. I am Michael Gordon Bennett, joining you as always from Las Vegas, and we are joined by the man from Barbados who's freezing as you know what off in New York City, David Cumberbatch is in the house. What's up, Dave? Yes, uh, I'm doing great. I'm happy that traveling is on the rise again. Uh, Omicron is not like Delta. No, so, mm. you know, folks are, folks are comfortable to travel again. Yep, we're we're comfortable getting around a little bit. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, this is our first actual broadcast of 2022. We did air an episode on Fiji with today's guest, Catherine Parker-Maggier, but we recorded that in December. This is actually the first one of 2022. We're all back from vacation. Dave was down there in Florida and, and Georgia working on his tan, and I got the chance to go to Hawaii, which will be a episode coming up in the near future. Had a great time uh, for a guy who's lived on the West Coast for almost 35 years and never set foot in Hawaii. That was an eye-opening experience. Very much so. I mean, I, I got to see volcanoes. I got to see rain. I got to see sunshine. It was beautiful, 80 degrees. And you talking about strict uh, COVID protocols. Um, Hawaii was, of all the places I've been in the U.S. since COVID broke out, Hawaii was by far the strictest. So we will get into all of that when we do the Hawaii podcast. But today's podcast is about the Amazon. And we, as I mentioned, have Catherine on. Um, in a few moments to talk about her journey there. Uh, she went uh, a couple of years ago just before the pandemic broke out. But as Dave questioned her beforehand, it's all fresh in her mind and who can blame her? The Amazon is something special. So moving on, uh, let me get the housekeeping notes out of the way. The TripCast 360 podcast is available any place you get your podcast, but the best place to listen to it is on our website, tripcast360.com. Uh, we try to do weekly episodes. Uh, again, as I alluded to, this is the first recorded episode of 2022. So happy new year to those of you listening out there. If you have any suggestions for future shows on uh, on the topics we cover, you can send us an email at contact at tripcast360.com. And our social media handles across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Instagram are all TripCast360. You can't miss us there. Uh, and Dave, hit them up with uh, well, I already took care of the social media stuff, so I just <laughs> saved you a whole bunch of stuff. So let's let's get into That's today's right. show. We, our our guest, as as you guys well know, uh, for those of you who listen to us all the time, is the one, the only Catherine Parker Meg. Yeah, she's back, 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 back again. Um, this time we're gonna take her uh, on a journey to the Amazon. Um, Catherine, before we get started, um. Uh, tell us when you went to the Amazon and kind of give us the 360 degree overview of your your journey. Why is this still so fresh in your mind two and a half years later? So 360 version of like, you know, overview, I sailed up the heart of the Amazon rainforest, up to the heart of the Amazon rainforest, up the Rio Negro in Brazil with Amazon nature tours, which I would recommend in a heartbeat. And the reason that it's so easily accessible, these memories, is because there's nowhere on earth like the Amazon rainforest. But once you visit the Amazon, like I have a greater appreciation for the Everglades, like all swamps. I'm like, there's a lot going on in here that we, <laughs> that we maybe, you know, for me, I had always wanted to visit the Amazon rainforest. I think if you're a curious person or an adventure traveler or an explore, explorer of any kind, it's going to hold a mystique to you. Um, and it absolutely, it surprised me in many ways, which we'll get into, but I've never before since been anywhere like that in my life. And though I've had, like when I, I know we'll cover Peru and I believe we covered Nepal or we're going to cover Nepal. Those were probably the most similar in the sense that I did not have any Wi-Fi, and I was out there, even though, you know, Fiji, which we just talked about has an out there feeling but in the Amazon, you know, it was a six night expedition up the heart of the rainforest with absolutely no connection. Like I think we saw, I saw maybe one more boat the entire time. Um, oh. Brazil is very different from Peru in the sense that Peru sort of has a whole industry around luxury 
Amazon exploration and Brazil, it's not, you know, the experience I had was all of the crew were indigenous from the Amazon. And so a lot of the memories I have and what stays with me is the Amazon at night, which we'll talk about, but like the people that I met and the various communities that just welcomed us in. And also just, you know, some of the stories and tales that I was told within the Amazon about the Amazon from people from the Amazon. So it was very unique. And I know people are, you know, what's having an truly unique cultural experience, a bucket list trip. Like this is as, this is as big as you can get. And there are various reasons why I think you should do this nature tour. Part, partially, it's an eco expedition. I don't like cruises. I really like do not want to be on a cruise with 300 people. This, but it's technically a cruise on this boat called the Tucano. And you know, we went on machete walks. We went kayaking. We went on these like night like sails through the, which was insane through the rainforest. And you know, whenever you leave the boat, there's no running water. Like they make a really huge point of leaving it better than they found it. And, you know, with each community that we visited, like the people, the staff on our boat who grew up in the Amazon, even if they were strangers or they had relationships. So, you know, we would drop off food or, you know, if people needed any things like for fires or any sort of supplies was, was on board. So everywhere we visited, we sort of gave, we sort of helped out in that end. And also, you know, people are just very welcoming and, I mean, one of the main things that I came away with is like the sheer level of friendliness and generosity from people who by our standards of living are really living off the grid and they're just so kind and just, it's almost like visiting another, it's an, almost like another plan, totally other way of life that is distinct from Brazil, even though I was in Brazil. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Catherine, the Amazon is such a, a vast body of water land. Um, Spanned in so many countries. Uh, where do we start? Let's start from your experience on day one, and maybe we'll take it day by day. Um, yeah. What uh, What did you do on your first day? You know your experiences. So, Cusco is no. So, oh wow. Oh my God! I just said Cusco because I'm thinking I just mentioned Peru and thought Peru, <laughs> but you fly into Manaus. Um, and we spent a day exploring Manaus and another day at the end of the trip exploring Manaus. And I really cannot stress enough how spectacular and interesting that city is. They call it the Paris of the Amazon of the of the jungle because basically there is a period when you know people were really exploiting the Amazon for their resources, but it was a big money-making endeavor. You get oil, they can so as a result, there was there is this amazing, spectacular architecture throughout Manaus and some of these almost like huge abandoned ornate buildings like the theater. And you could just learn such a history of the city. And I had, I'd never been to Brazil before and I'm hoping to go back and I'd love to do, you know, I'd love to do Rio. I've, I've heard a lot of amazing spots in Brazil and now people don't even need a visa to go. Um, I did need a visa for this trip. It's very, not a big deal but sort of acquainted ourselves that first day. And then we set sail either the day after the day after that. I think we had like a full, like sort of, you know, one day on land and we set sail. And when you leave from Manaus, you know, you see other boats and there's like very, you know, there's, there's like hugely bustling docks. And then that night you start cruising into the Amazon and it's insane to me how the further we got from Manaus, like midway through our trip, if you looked around at night, you would see a little cloud. It looked like a faint cloud. Like if you're looking up at a night sky in most other places on earth, you would see some parts of the sky that aren't pitch black. And that's just because you live in a city or you live in a place where there's electricity. The Amazon during the day is beautiful, but it's almost, it's like trees are floating on glass. It can look repetitive to be quite honest. Like I loved it, but it came alive to me at night because when you go out at night, the stars in the sky on the Rio Negro are reflected on the water. So it looks like you're cruising through a snow globe and there are stars all around you, beneath you, above you. And then the animals are so loud because they've been napping all day. It's hot. You know what I mean? At, during the day, you hear the sounds of the fruit falling from the trees everywhere. Fruit is always falling from trees. At night, you hear like this one little rat made the biggest sounds. Like all of the birds, all of the animals are speaking. It's pretty much like they're having a party and they're mating. 
They're like, I'm here. Where are you at? Where are you at? And they're all hooking up and it's very, the animals go wild. So to be out in that like perfect pitch blackness and I mean, no photos could really capture it. I tried to take a picture on my phone and I got stung by a night wasp, which literally Mm. feels like someone drilled a little screwdriver into your hands. So never again, I learned my lesson, but that first night, it would get more and more spectacular each night. But the first night I was like, oh my God, you know, and I was in this beautiful little cabin. Um, everything was sort of wood paneled. Everything's very, it felt very chic. I loved the decor. I felt like an old school explorer, you know? And <laughs> I mean, we were, I typical me was on deadline and they were like, okay, you have 45 minutes until we lose all cell reception and all Wi-Fi for another week like B plus, you know, and I did get it in on time, but that was something, you know, you're so used to having some option of connectivity. There are very few places in the world where even if you wanted to make a phone call, you couldn't, you know, and there was something almost, it was almost disquieting because you're really with your own thoughts, bring a book, bring rain. The Amazon is one of the few trips I'd say. I think there's a whole thing around athleisure and adventure clothing. I love REI. I I did a lot of REI for my Nepal and Peru. I wish I'd gone before the Amazon because I was out there and like, I recommend to bring waders because you're going to be walking on these jungle walks. You're going to be carrying a machete to get your way through, but like breathable clothing. Cause also like my stuff, I, leggings are not the move. You know what I mean? Like this is one time in your life where you really want to invest in lightweight waterproof layers because it's going to rain. You're going to get covered in mud. You're, and that the clothes that you bring are going to have to be with you the whole time. So yeah, like the night expeditions and the jungle walks, there are, so, there are a lot of jaguars in South America, but they don't know exactly how many because they're so hard to spot. I really wanted to see a jaguar. And then Alex, who's one of our guides, Alex and Edibon were our main naturalists and they were so smart and so interesting. He's like, if you see a jaguar, you're not, that's the last thing you see. Like you don't want to see them. And then he went on to later tell me a story because he grew up in the Amazon further out than even we were. When a pack of jaguars, like six or seven, he was having dinner with his family by the beach and they had a fire going. And then they heard like rustling in the trees. And there were like six or seven jaguars started to like come down to the tent and Alex and his brother and his parents, like they had to go swim out to their Mm -hmm. canoe and flip the canoe over and stayed under their canoe. Jaguars were on top of the canoe, like for an hour. Really? Yes. It's, he can tell it much better. And I've written about him a bunch. I'll link to the stories. Like my stories are pretty much like Alex and Edivon, just because they are the experts, but also the personal stories they told me were so fascinating. And he was like, yeah, but it was more Jaguars than that. So I'm sure Alex would listen to this and be like, it was 10 Jaguars. But yeah, I just remember being like, oh my God, like, but there are these villainous creatures. But it's funny because you want to be, this is something I don't think I would ever want to do a a hike in the Amazon. I consider myself durable, hardy, up for anything. But after a couple jungle walks, I was like, you know, I'm good on the water because you are like, it is hot and you are out there (laughs) and you are in the weeds. And for me, like, I'm like, where are the anacondas? And everyone's like, you actually don't want to see those things. But just the vastness and it makes it more, I mean, we always hear about people are cutting down the Amazon and it makes it more real to just think like you see how many animals and how many plants are living in like one mile, you know, one square mile. It's like an entire, like that would be a a natural park if it was in America, you know? So it also drives in the importance of preserving it. And the, I think we'll touch on this later, but the importance, like the, the indigenous communities from the Amazon, like how, you know, those are the people who are best set to sort of like, they've found a way to live off of the land that's sustainable. And there is such a love and tie in with where, just like how I love New Jersey, probably on a stronger sense, because it is so different from a lot of people from the Amazon and Brazil will move to Manaus. So the crew, like Edivan grew up in, um, Edivan's family is from the Amazon. He's like, I love to take, you know, my children and we go out and we visit the farm. And Alex is from the Amazon and just that it's such a unique, beautiful way of life. And just, yeah, the people that we met, I mean, I can't imagine I'm in Wyoming, which like people are very friendly, but if someone were to lo- knock on my door and be like, Hey, we're here. Can we take a look around? Be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like come in, you know, just, and obviously it helped that Edivan and Alex were locals. And they also spoke the, the native languages and they were, you know, our best people to be with. And I think that there's a different experience if you're going on an expedition that has a hot tub and it's really luxury, but I'd rather be in more of like an expedition 
and be with people who are from there. You well, wouldn't I, think that Amazon is somewhere where you want to be with locals, but you really do. I, I got to tell you, you've officially scared the crap out of Dave and I. So yeah. let, let me let me get this damn story straight here. You got to avoid the the Jags Jaguars <laughs> by diving into a river that possibly yes. has anacondas has in it. Snakes, <laughs> no, yes. not just snakes, anacondas because they're no joke. Them things weigh more than the three of us put together. Yes, cats don't like to get wet. You know, so that is like, that's your hope is that you go into the river. And then it's funny because you, but you learn to coexist with these animals. Like, I don't know, Alex, we were looking for caimans, which are these big black type crocodile alligators that are native. And Alex found a baby caiman and just picked it up. You know what I mean? Like that thing is like a little dinosaur monster. And you, you know, you just, he grew up around these animals and it's so funny because I was asking, like, you'll go and you won't see a community for a long time. And then you'll go, there'll be a, a little village. And then, like, I don't know how many, like, for me, like, a day away is another village. And I'd be like, Alex, like, how do people meet each other? How do people date? How do people get married? Like, you know, particularly if it's just one or two families. And they have this thing called the Saints Festivals, where it's almost every month, there'll be a huge party. And all of the, you know, all the kids, all the teenagers, all the adults will go and descend. And that's sort of like, you know, the high school dance and meeting and greeting. And there's this legend because Pink Dolphins, which are really cool, great documentary of them available. I think it's on Netflix. Just it's, I think it's called The Pink Dolphins or something. Or no, it's called yeah. something else. Um, I can send that to you. But the Pink Dolphins are known as being womanizers. And uh-huh. basically, like, if I was in a boat Damn, or a girl basically, was in a They used to call Dave that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yes, it's called the mystery. It's called the mystery of the pink dolphins. So if I was on the boat and a dolphin was there, they'd be like, oh, a girl's on the boat, they're going to come out. But so basically, there's the legend that during the Saints festivals, the dolphins will come to shore and step on land. And they will be in an all-white, like, white shirt, white pants, little jaunty white hat, the most handsome man at the party. And then they'll seduce the most beautiful girl. So every single time there's an unwanted pregnancy, they're like, it was the dolphin. It was the dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) And like, these dolphins are so ugly. I love them. They never got super close. Binoculars. I didn't really like perfect my binocular skills. I would say you need binoculars more in the Amazon than you do in Africa or in Nepal. Like, because... People like, and I would borrow, like, if you're a birder, you're in paradise. I'd say, I'd, I said the Galapagos and the Amazon for birds, but I mean, the Amazon, like, there are these insane parrots, like, multicolored, like, and it's nuts to see the natural colors that exist in nature because Brazil, like, the fruit in Brazil, Brazilian breakfast is a whole game. You know what I mean? Like, it is delicious. And like, you're eating these fruits that have fallen from the trees. Like, we went hunting or we went piranha fishing with little pieces of meat and then we ate the piranha. Like, Piranhas. Oh, I forgot. Yes. I, I forgot about them in that water too. Piranhas yes. <laughs> eat yes. human beings. Yes. They eat anything. Yes. <laughs> They'll eat whatever they can, you know? But it's funny because people are always like, oh, well, you know, things will like fruit will fall from the tree. But like I'm telling you, the first couple of days, I was like, what is that noise? And people are like, that's fruit literally falling from the tree. So people are always, the fish are living well, is what I would say. Right. And I mean, just spectacular but those for those of you listening who are not familiar with the the uh, geography of brazil the rio negro that can uh catherine is discussing is actually a tributary into the amazon and they meet in in manaus which is in northern brazil so mm-hmm. just to give you a little bit of a geography lesson on that and uh, i've always heard i never heard of manaus referred to as parrots of the jungle i did hear it referred to i think i heard it once so somebody said it was like the headwaters of the amazon which is not true because it's yep. kind of like in it, it looks on the map like it's kind of like um, in the middle of the jungle, but not necessarily the headwaters of it. It's culturally like the city of the Amazon, you know, like a lot of like the people who moved to the Amazon to make their riches. That was the city that people built, but also people who are a lot of people who are indigenous and originally from the Amazon moved to Manaus. So it definitely has like a really Amazonian influence. And like, I think it's more of like the headwaters figuratively versus literally the literal, like it's called the heart of the Amazon. Cause it's like, literally we are going up to where like the Amazon, the Rio Negro cross, and you're going as deep into the Amazon rainforest, like physically as you can um, in terms of like where it's located geographically, but all of these countries, everyone fights over which country has the best Amazon. 
You know, like I love like <laughs> geographical, you know, like people who are just gossiping about other countries or, you know, like pride, you know, national pride. I got into a fight with the, um, not a fight, but a disagreement with Ro- Roher Valencia. who's was like the minister of culture in Peru. I love him. But he was like, Peru has the best Amazon. We have more animals. You can go out. But I'm very loyal to Brazil because Brazil has the most Amazon by square foot. You know, Brazil's a huge country. And as such, it has like a huge portion of that, of the rainforest. But people who are curious, like I would also watch, I watched it after I visited and I wept because it was so good. But Embrace of the Serpent is a, um, is a film that was made by the director. His family is from the Amazon in Colombia. And it's in black and white. But, you know, you'll see, you'll watch. It's not, it's not always black and white, but it really felt to me like it was filmed almost entirely within the Amazon. And I thought it was just a, such a spectacular tribute. So if you're curious about the Amazon, I'd watch that. I'd watch the mystery of the pink dolphin, um, but nothing prepares you for the vastness when you're there. You mentioned that you did a tour at night. Am I correct? Yes. How, how do you, how do you stay safe at night? <laughs> in an area that has animals. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned the Jaguars before it has wild animals. It has alligators. It has everything that's, you know, that is a danger to, to a human being. How do you stay safe? And, um, how do you stay safe on these tour guides? Do they have guys with, I hate to put it so bluntly, but do, do they have tour guys that carry guns in case a, a couple of Jaguars try to attack you? What's that I don't like? think that jaguars are a threat in open water. I think it's more caimans. But, you know, I wasn't jumping into it. Like, I did actually swim in the Amazon. We went to this amazing beach. And I guess I did. There was a tree. Trees grow. I mean, it's like a floating. It's, it looks like the trees are floating on glass. And it's almost like an underwater garden that spouts up. So I saw a tree that was growing at almost a 90-degree angle. And I was like, I want to go climb that tree. So mm. I swam probably like, I don't know. 500 feet out. And I guess Alex was like literally with his binoculars and swimming towards me, just being like, if anything were to happen, he could, he would be there, but they carry knives. You know what I mean? Like in case something happens, they've got all of the supplies needed. But when you talk about safety, I think you're safest with people who know the area best and they know mm-hmm. what's coming before I know, or maybe the animals know, do you know what I mean? Like the precision with which it would be like, Oh, that bird over there. Or, oh, a caiman's going to be over here. Oh, a pink dolphin, like at 11 o'clock, like two nautical miles, you know what I mean? Down, like they're mm-hmm. just experts in the area. And the tourists would be on motorized, but like they sort of thought non-motorized, these canoes, these green canoes. You also really do want to wear green. Like I think I talked about in Nepal, or I will with you guys, like you want to be in head to toe green. In the Amazon, you want to be in lighter colors, but also when you're walking through the day, you want to be in the green. And during the night, Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's so dark. You could probably be wearing like a bright white. You couldn't even see you. But they would lead us through. Alex would take one boat, Edavon. And we had other amazing guides. And now I feel like I want to like give everyone's names, but I'm not going to be able to remember everyone. I've kept in touch with most people. Um, who And they everyone had a different position on the boat. You know, we had some chefs. We had people who were like, you know, maintaining the boat. We obviously had the captain. But we had about like two head naturalists, which are Alex and Edavon, and then about four or five others who were just jungle experts. So, okay. you know, you weren't, it's not like, hey guys, I'm going to take a kayak. I'll see you in like two hours. You do the majority of the sailing at night, which is such an amazing way to fall asleep. You wake up very early for some of the nature walks. Like disclaimer, I didn't wake up for every single one. They're like, why are you yawning? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not used to living this type of life, but the sunrise is spectacular. And the sun sets, it looks like a ball of fire is setting into the, into the river. Yeah. Like it's insane. The entire, because you know, the trees are roughly around the same height and it's this river that snakes through. So yeah, it's, it feels like almost like when the sun is setting and like you're on the edge, you know, when you're looking on, if you're on the West coast, the sun sets on the Pacific and it sort of bathes the entire California yeah. coast in this light. It feels like that, but then, you know, it like listens in the trees and One benefit of the having a black river, which is the Rio Negro means like black river, there are no bugs and it's very, very reflective. Like every part of the Amazon, I saw the Amazon river as well, which is browner. And it's not because it's browner because it's polluted. It just looks like it's more of like more dirt. Um, and, but where I was and in the Rio Negro, which I really recommend, the trees are mirrored entirely on the water. So it looks like one tree with like leaves on both ends, you know, with absolutely no roots. 
itself. What did you do on your second day? Was it was it sort of similar to your first day or it was totally a totally different experience? So you go through, there are some rhythms to each day, which I think you can find what you love the best. Like every morning, you know, there's a, there's a nature walk pretty much every day. And it depends on where you are. Nature walks can be fun because you literally have a machete. We discovered some moss, some ancient ruins, you know, or ruins from early settlers. And there was also like a primary sort of outing that was done. So we would visit local villages. So one of the local villages we visited, like they were selling a lot of crafts and like necklaces and such. Or they'll be like, we went through one sort of floating town that was, um, that was like probably day three of our trip, which was so fascinating because, you know, these people do live on the water. And I know I mentioned, I probably saw one boat, but the other little vessels I found, and I wouldn't even, everyone can vote. Everyone has universal healthcare. Like there's just like, it's amazing how people are living so far out, but there are these things that connect people like it's Brazilians. But yeah, so you'd go, you have the option and always take the option. I mean, in general, in the Amazon, but everywhere, particularly in the Amazon, because there aren't, you know, the chance to meet local people and like go experience, go explore a local village is amazing. And that's something that's also pretty unique to Amazon nature tourists because these people, I can't speak the language, but some people, you know, it's like oh, Edavon charm them in a second or they know them, you know, and there's, I was like, how do people know each other? But people know, like, obviously the Amazon is so vast. They've actually found that they've flown over parts of the Amazon that haven't been touched by like our modern day society. Like they don't have cars and they don't know cars exist, you know? So it's really out there, but there is sort of sense of community amongst people who are from there. And then you have like lunch, which is amazing. All the food is delicious. I really like Brazilian food very much. I love, it's like, and then you have dinner. I mean, you have lunch, outing, dinner. And then, you know, cap- hopefully on the last night we sort of got lit. We had caparinas, which were amazing. And then you have that post-dinner you know, sail on the, like canoeing on the water. So everyone has a midday nap. It's also hot as hell. So when the animals sleep, we sleep. So there's sort of a rhythm to each day where the the most fun things for me were always late at night, or I really love to kayak um, through the rainforest because you can go deep. Like it's crazy because some of like parts of the forest are very thick, you know, and then there's obviously land parts, but then you'll look at something that you think is land and it's not, it's just like a web of like crazy trees with one root and you can go, you can go kayaking around and navigating. So yeah, walking, kayaking, canoeing, meeting the local people. And then everyone kept a book. We were given these great books. Everyone could track how many birds and animals they saw each day. And I mean, it gets up into the hundreds. And if you're Mm -hmm. a photographer and we were with two of the two of the people on our trip were great. Just they just brought their cameras with them. They're just travelers who like to take pictures. And I ended up using most of their pictures for my story in Forbes over the, the over the imagery that Forbes already had. You know, so if you are an aspiring nature photographer, go to the Amazon. Like it'll be great. Um, yeah. But it is. It's in some ways like it's definitely an adventure trip. But it's also because you're on a cruise. You're sleeping in the same place every night. You're not catching flights. You're not catching buses you do sort of get into this like relaxed, tranquil state that I think gets you to better appreciate where you are. Right. Did you get to go to the part of the Amazon where they are doing a lot of deforestation? No. The deforestation obviously like is happening in various parts of the Amazon. Where I was, there was no cars, there were no roads, there was no Wi-Fi. Like it was very much, we were in the heart of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And... It's hard because it's so hard for me to understand like on a scale. Like if you look at like an aerial image, a Google Earth of South America, you can see how vast the Amazon is. And then so I think it gives people this false sense of comfort too. But if you, if you like before I went, I was trying to see. And then if you Google how it was like 100 years ago, 50 years ago, you could see that slowly and surely being cut away. This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. You've you've mentioned the heat several times. For those of you who don't know, the Amazon and the equator are runs, the equator runs smack dab through the middle of the Amazon. So regardless of what time of year you're going, it's going to be hot. 
Um, there, there's no equivocating about that. I mean, you know, I, I think zero degrees is right and smack dab in the northern part of the Amazon. By the way, what time of year did you go? And do the guides and people who visit the Amazon recommend one season over another? Because I do know that the Amazon does have a little bit of a rainy season. But then again, it rains there all the damn time. I went in May. I know that people that people recommend not going during the rainy season, which I believe is more in the summer. Okay. But um, May and um, fall are actually good because I know I published it around. I know that I published it around that time. So the rainy season is technically like March through July. I was there at the beginning of the rain season, but it was fine. It wasn't it didn't it didn't rain out every day. And actually, it didn't. It, I remember it raining and it did rain for a piranha experience, mm-hmm. but it just it's like droplets and it's so hot. And when I say hot, I just mean like it's humid. And the reason it's also hotter, like I should have brought shorts. I weirdly did not bring shorts, which was probably dumb because I think the actual move is rain boots and shorts because you want to be breathable. But at the same time, you don't want to expose too much of your body to the actual elements. So having, that's why I keep saying lightweight, waterproof gear, um, because you know, you're, that's the stuff that you're going to be using every day. And like, I mean, I was in like flannels at some points and leggings and that would get damp and it would stick to me. And like, this is one moment when you want high performing stuff just for like sheer comfortability. But yeah, I visited in April, May and I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I know that right now, Amazon nature tours, like due to, you know, everything that's happened with COVID, they are having special deals, discounts. But one thing that I didn't mention that is really cool is that they run Pajato Escalar Naturiza, Naturiza, Naturiza. Oh my God, I don't speak. I'm bad. This is, yeah, but I'll send you a link. But basically it's like a community project and it supports environment, environmental education amongst like residents, indigenous people of the Amazon, of the Amazon provides them with books, pencils, reading material. And when you book like, you know, these select expeditions, like almost 10% of the proceeds go to that. And not only that, but like the Amazon Nature Tours, it pretty much exclusively employs people from the Amazon. So I know we were talking about like, you know, I think that environmental sustainability is obviously a huge discussion that we touched on in terms of, you know, what we were just mentioning about how much smaller the Amazon has become, how vital it is for our ozone and everything, but also cultural yeah. preservation. Like I felt like we went to the physical heart of the Amazon, but also like the cultural heart. Like I felt really lucky to have met, like Alex and I still talk like regularly, like, and I loved Edavon, but to, and Ad- Edavon was almost like the more he was, Alex was funnier and Edavon was more of not they were both responsible, but you know, they both were had different like sort of key things that they brought to the chores, but also like the kind of knowledge that you have about a place you can only really get growing up. Like right. I've had it's funny because I think that what was I came into the Amazon, I was taking a ton of notes. I have an entire notebook about trees and the and the what were these fruits, like what were these birds. And then I sort of realized, like, then I was on my second notebook and I was like, I don't have my story here yet. You know what I mean? I was like, I feel like the importance of this trip hasn't even, this is, I'm having a different trip than this notebook would suggest. And then I realized like the second half, because then I also just allowed myself to have fun. I was like, it's the people that I'm meeting. It's the stories that I'm hearing. It's the culture that I'm learning about and being exposed to that I could only be exposed to on this specific expedition to these places with these people. And I mean, I know I mentioned like the kindness of people just letting you in, but literally like we come ashore, like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like, and they're like, oh, like, welcome. Like, I'm like, you know, then Edavon would be our translator and tell us like, oh, these two are, this is his name, her name, they're married. This is what he does. You know, like we met people. And then I remember like in the last day, I was excited to get Wi-Fi again, but I was almost dreading it by that point. Because particularly like I went and I actually, Davy Sutton, who you guys have um, interviewed, she was on the trip. And then we've since gone to Bonaire. She and I became close on the trip. But, you know, at the beginning we didn't know each other yet. And I didn't know everyone yet. And then by the end, I'd gotten close with like Davey, with like, oh my God, with um, Melissa Gasco is a science writer and Rob and um, Gabby McNamara. But it's isolating to not have that touch base. Like even if I'm like in Fiji, I can walk to where services on this one sandbar and call my mom or whatever, but you're really out there. And then when I returned, I remember feeling like, I don't want to feel as connected to my phone as I do. Like, I don't know why I have to filter all my experiences through this. And I was sad at points on the trip because I think that there is something about traveling that can be very, it makes you realize how small you are. It's humbling. It can feel lonely. And like when you're in a place like that, I felt 
that to my core in a way, you know what I mean? Like, who am I? Wow. And then I remember just being really inspired by what I felt. I felt like I'd had a moment with the people that we met and like Alex and Edivan and just the stories of growing up. And I think it speaks to a fundamental human goodness and a human resilience that I'm just going to quote Edivan because he said it way better. But I was saying, you know, if you're in New York City or if you, you're not going to find that type of hospitality. And he said, you know, quote, there are some people that have all the money in the world, but they're not happy. So they're cruel. And then he was like, and then when I return home here, there are people with nothing and they're happy and they're kind. And like, I think it just says a lot about like what we need as people. And just, I think people are fundamentally good and just seeing, I don't know. It's very, it's fascinating to see, you know, we have all this stuff with, to a larger extent, how people survive in the wilderness and how, and it really seems like people survive by being kind and helping each other. And just as like, we have organized religion here, holding on to certain beliefs that have helped them survive for years. Right. And, and going back to the point that you made just a minute ago um, about feeling small, I just looked up the size of the Amazon. It's 2.72 million squared miles, which is the entire size of the lower 48. Now, yep. if you imagine being in the lower 48 and being in a rainforest out in the middle of nowhere, not the big population centers in New York and Chicago and L.A. and all that stuff. There, I mean, you're literally out in the middle of nowhere for basically the entire lower 48. That would make any human being feel small. It's impossible, I think, not to have some sort of profound experience there because of where it is. And I think that people, like when they travel, they're always chasing the sublime. They're chasing that one place that's going to make them rethink something or that one trip that's basically we're, we're trying, we're chasing that feeling of awe. You know, that's what you want when you book a trip. And there are a couple of places in the world that I feel like I can say with guarantee, like you go to the Amazon and there's just because of exactly the sheer size, the scale, particularly if you go with people who are able to introduce you into communities and tell you the stories, it's it's just a life-changing trip. And it is. And I'm trying to think about what changed about my life from that trip. I hope I'm a better person. I don't know. But I think it gave me more of like a, of an understanding and appreciation of the need to preserve, um, you know, culturally, culturally responsible travel. I think that was the first trip that made me feel like that. And then right after I did Peru, then I did Nepal, then I did Fiji. And I think it opened my eyes to that in a different way. Um, because like, you know, it started, Amazon Nature Tours was started by an American man, really loved sailing. And then he was like, I'm going to do this. And then he like was been living in Manaus for part of the year. And then, you know, he's like in my company, like I am training and promoting within, you know, he's like, I'm not your guide you know, I'm American. Like I want, you know, the people who should be running this in terms of safety, in terms of also like taking people around and sharing. It's if like Alex would be like, I just feel like I'm sharing my home and I love to do that, you know? And it's, it's just a different level of passion that I think that you get. And yeah, I think that really tuned me into, because you can be on an eco, you know, totally eco-friendly cruise, a luxury cruise, but if you're not going to meet people who are from the Amazon, if you're not going to get an insight into it, you're going to probably walk away and be like, the trees were amazing. The sunsets were cool, but it's not going to make you as attuned to like another part of preserving this part of the world is preserving the cultures and the history of this part of the world, which Embrace of the Serpent, the documentary by the Colombian filmmaker whose family is from the Amazon really gets into that. And it's really important. You just mentioned getting that feeling of awe. Is there one thing on this trip, on that trip, that gave you one thing or one event that gave you that feeling of awe? So honestly, like, I was very excited to pink dolphins. They never got that close. There are places you can swim with them, but it's like various ethicality. Do you know what I mean? About like, you, it's pretty much like if you're baiting something to come to you. So I was going in thinking like pink dolphin or bust. And I ended up seeing one from far away, but and I did see one. They were swimming around. You know, there was a girl. I was present. So, you know, they're they're tormenting, um, like befitting their reputation. But what really hit me was that first night. Because you're sailing out to the Amazon. And as I mentioned, 45 minutes, no cell phone Wi-Fi. I'm looking out. You're sitting out on the deck. And it's beautiful. But the Amazon, and this is the beauty of it. It's vast. It's repetitive. You know what I mean? I'm looking out. The tree is on the water. The tree is on the water. The tree is on the water. And then it's amazing, but you know, you could sort of become, it's just like any beautiful view. It can sort of almost like become numb to it in a second. It's when the sunset and like the sky, like it turns this purple and then pink and then orange and then a glimmer of yellow. And then it's like a navy blue sky. And at the end of the day, I've never, 
the forest sense, like there are amazing stars in Fiji. There are definitely remote places, but like, I'm telling you, like I could see where Manaus was because it was a cloud under the trees, zero light pollution. The stars come out and it's like, oh my God, is this what stars look like? And then Mm -hmm. going out on the river and then you can't see the person next to you and all you can hear are the animals. And then you're going close and like the biggest, the loudest animal was this rat. You know what I mean? Like going and you're just like, this isn't my world. You know, I'm visiting this and I'm so lucky to be experiencing this because this is land that doesn't belong to me. These are, everyone's having a cocktail party, a pregame, late night, all these animals, they live here, they're dining. This is their world. And being in a place that's so thoroughly un- uncut, like I'm not civilized, like Peru up in the Andes, there are amazing indigenous communities that live up there. So there, but there are lodges and you go and this is like a whole world. Nepal, you know, you're with, um, you know, there's obviously on some of the hikes, you're so alone and it's so beautiful, but there are also, you know, there are beast camps, like going into the Amazon, you know, you're on the water. There's only one way in really one way out. And you really just feel that profundity. And that happens to me every night on the water, no. every night outside. Yeah, Catherine, I'm actually sitting here right now on your website. Uh, by the way, let me mention it, CatherineParkerMagyar.com. And I'm looking at the article you wrote for Forbes about this trip. And I had never seen a pink dolphin before, but you got a really great picture in here of that pink dolphin. I need to give credit where credit is due to Eric Gorlier and Randall Knight. And they were just two people on my cruise and they had a great camera. You want swag for the Amazon to appreciate more. You want camera, you want binoculars. For me, like, I love birds, but I can't really see out of one eye. I think I need a special pirate binocular. But if you are someone who is in any way interested in birds or wildlife photography, like, this is your heaven. And it's not like a cruise that was designed. Like, it wasn't like, oh, come out here, we'll take pics. It's like, I think, you know, I've traveled with influencers and there are setups. So you'll get a great shot here. This was just footage from our trip that they just took. I mean, I'm looking at some of these images. I mean, it's awesome. But I mean, you could tell that you're literally out in the middle of nowhere. Like you got a couple of birds here that Eric took pictures of flying the the vibrant colors. They're like, I I can't tell what type of bird that is, but it's got blue wings and orange crest and a beak about the size of my fist, which if it probably bit you, you'd be in a huge bunch of trouble. Um, Yes. (laughs) I mean, well, Alex, but I was like, if you see something funny in the trees, scream. Yeah, I just saw that. (laughs) Yeah. So I know I actually, I'm, I definitely, we should link to that because that's a story like, like the story I read on Kenya. I was like, oh, this captures the whole trip. I was so stressed about writing it, but I'm happy with how it turned out. And Alex is happy too. Alex, I'm interviewing him again. He's like, I wish I told you more because, you know, as a writer, you're always a little worried. And this is why I'm saying the people, the people that, you know, because I've got my notebook out and he's telling me things and I'm like, And then as mentioned with my thing on the trees and then people like when I was preparing for this, when I was working on this, I was like, oh, actually, this is the story. And I think it's more of an untold one because I do think there are people who are scientists or science writers or naturalists and naturalist writers. And for me, it's always the people, but always, you know, I want to go to Antarctica for this reason. I want to go into the Siberian steppes for this reason. I think there are certain parts of the world. And I think that the Amazon is one of them. And that's why I'm happy that I had the experience I had because I feel like I can wholeheartedly recommend it without, you know, like I know that it's like not only wonderful like adventure, but it gives back to the communities. It's like a smart employer and like just, just, it's great. You know, it it promotes as many, some people really want to ask about the trees. I'm like, where did you meet your wife? Like, what's your dad doing in the Amazon? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do people hook up? Where do they meet? How are you voting? What happens if you get sick? Like just just these, just this insight, you know, right. that you can't get unless you're with those people. Talk, talk to us about, uh, I saw your story where you had mentioned locally sourced foods and everything like that. But talk about when you're on your journey, the types of foods that you were able to eat on the journey and stuff like that. A lot of fish, a lot of fruit, Brazilian cheese, but like fish and fruit. You know what I mean? Like all different types of fish. Everything essentially that you can imagine. And Brazil, South America in general, its fruit game is very strong. I think we can all agree. Like there are fruits that Mm -hmm. grow down there. But it's funny because we were eating quite healthily the entire trip, but you don't think so because everything is like, it's the healthiest I've probably the healthiest, unless I mean, maybe if I was going on jogs, like kayaking is really your only form of exercise and walking with a machete. But 
everything that we ate was like something that was sourced or grown within the rainforest. So you were seeing the fruits fall and then you were like tasting them afterwards. And I, I mean, I, we finally had a caparina on the last night. You need to pay for your alcohol separately, but like Brazil has great wines. So, but yeah, you're tired. Like I ended up taking, I was like a cat. I was taking a news, a noon snooze, wake up, big lunch of like sandwiches, you know, cheese, fruit, big dinner. And with, with the prana in particular, it's like people would show us what they catched. Now, this, describe, I think you said your boat was called the Tucano. Am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. Describe that because I, I I don't want to leave people with the impression that you were on some rickety raft for six days <laughs> floating yeah. up and down the river. Describe the boat and the amenities that it had on. I see it has solar panels. So you, you know, you were able to do certain things on there. Yes. Oh, I just want to make one comment. It's called Manicoba. I was like, what was that dish? But it's this like, oh, Am- okay. like it's in Amazonas is where the Rio Negro is. That's like the Brazilian state of Amazonas. Right. And it's basically made of like meat, sausage, chicoria leaves. So we did have meat as well. It was a mix. Oh, okay. We had pretty much like local cuisine. So it's called like, you know, we, it's called sailing, even though you're on this boat and it's not like a rickety little ship. It's three stories. So it's basically like, it's pretty much like an... Um, I'm trying to think of how long it was. It's probably like 60 feet. I actually should probably have this and know this for you. But basically every single, you have the deck on the first floor, right? And that first floor is going to have the, it's not huge. Like they have like the, you know, different staff quarters. And then Mm -hmm. you have this beautiful wooden panel dining room with windows all around. And that's where you can have your lunch. And then each floor has different bedrooms. And then if you're not in your bedroom and you're not in the dining room, you're out on the deck and there are wraparound decks. And the third floor, which is where like, if we had a glimmer of Wi-Fi, I always knew because there would be like, there literally in the course of like, I don't know, hundreds of hours, there would be like a five minute Wi-Fi period once that I never met, that I never got to. But you know, the, the people on the boat were like, it's exact this moment, sit on this part of the boat. But the top is where like, People would have a cigar if you could have a cigar, but like that is like was more where people would chill. And it's nice. I know that some cruises are like more like you have a whole suite. I was happy that like I was either in my room or I was in a gathering place because it's very easy to sort of withdraw, I think, a little bit. And it was like it made it feel like sort of a family by the end of it. Everyone eats together in the dining room for lunch, breakfast, dinner. You're going out with different people and we had, there were within my group, five of us, six of us maybe, and then probably 10 to 12 people on the boat in total. Like it's a small boat, but yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like sort of like a traditional, I'm trying to think of the name of how I would describe this boat, but I might have to send a picture. Um, but it's much, it's everything is all windows a lot and it's really based on being outside. It's called a motor yacht, but I don't think that really describes what it looks like that much, but it's the motor yacht Chicano. And it's the only, and it's not that huge because it's the only vessel that can go into like the deepest parts of the, like the like the Central American conservation complex, AKA the Amazon. So it is their claim to fame is sailing into the heart. So. You said earlier, Catherine, that you were on the boat and you could hardly see the person next to you. In the night, uh, um, yeah. is is that is is that to give you a much better view of your surrounding areas, or is there another reason for that? You're just shrouded in darkness. It's so dark, and like when you when we went out, like say like Davy was next to me, and mm-hmm. unless she was wearing something light or I was wearing something really light, it's just mm-hmm. like profoundly it's profound blackness around you. You know, they're just usually like is a little bit more like pollution to like, you know, usually you're in a place where there genuinely there's going to be one source of electricity that's on maybe, but like picture being in a place that's like hundreds of miles in each direction with no light bulbs. So it's just like, you can barely see the person sitting next to you. And we were all in our jungle gear, which was all like hunter green, you know, khaki brown. But is that done for a specific reason? Because I would imagine the boat, you know, the boat has a generator. You can get some form of light. Oh, this is on the little motorized canoes, which make very little noise that we would go out on. 
So what okay. I mean when you can barely see the person next to you, it's like if you, and then and then you can better. Like, but getting on the boat, you know, your eyes adjust, and then I'm like, oh, that's Dave. You're oh, like, but like if you, but you know, sometimes Edvon Edvon had to wear or Alex had to wear these thick gloves for the night wasps, and they would mm-hmm. be able to shine a flashlight. Like we saw a sloth, which was so cool in the trees. Um, but your eyes definitely adjust after a little bit. But when you first get onto that boat and someone's sitting next to you, or maybe they usually took out two little canoes, someone's behind you. Just that first sight that you're going to see is just stars. And because it's a black river of a black sky, the stars are like twice as big on the water as they are in the sky. So they're like sucking up all the light. And then your eyes can eventually someone adjust, but like, I couldn't take notes. You know what I mean? Like there was no way I could use my little iPhone light and it was too dark. I tried to take notes on my notebook just by the light of the stars, but Mm -hmm. even then it was dark. So you really, it feels like, you know, I was like, this is what earth must have looked like at nighttime before humans invented electricity, you know, before we harvested, you know, so. But I would just tell Michael to smile. We'd be fine. Uh, yeah. my teeth my teeth are bright but they ain't that damn bright i, I know well, i can't tell you though how safe you feel like even on the machete box like you know there are jaguars you know but these people like these guys know and like i do think that when you're saying like do they carry guns like, people have knives i had a machete i was walking with you know but i think that's the difference between someone being from the area and knowing instinctually like i was talking to mark about it and his whole mm-hmm. thing was like he was like i you know you want to be with someone who's from here because they also know the rainforest in their bones in a different way than anyone else ever would, you know? And that's partially like from an upbringing of if you, that wrestle means this, like, Oh, this is a Jaguar or that's a sloth or that's a Cayman. Like you sort of learn to coexist with these creatures. And also like we were able to approach the sloth, like really we were pretty close and like, they just know how to interact in that forest that, you know, I scared away birds. And then I eventually learned to just like shut up. But Alex pointed out, we were behind him, you know? I mean, imagine being, going back to the light discussion for a minute, imagine being in a place that has no natural light and the canopy above your head is basically blocking out every other light that could possibly come through unless it's a moon, you know, a full moon night or something like that. That has got to be one eerie feeling to sit next to somebody, even if I am smiling and I can't see them. For all you know, you could have reached over and touched uh, uh, Davey. You could have been betting the Jaguar. Yeah. Yes, completely. <laughs> and then, but also like, that was just like that profound moment, the first day of the trip and you have it every single day, you know, like some places like you feel like, oh, I've got to get to this spot by sunset or sunrise, or I've got to, you know, I've got to navigate like the Amazon, you almost come into a trance. It does like you're always, every day I found a new bird, you know, a new right. animal, like every, and the pink dolphin, like you saw the great picture. I saw that dolphin. And it's amazing because they're playful and they sort of follow the boat a little bit, but they are pink and they come out from the water and just those little moments. But I mean, I would definitely recommend this trip as if someone, if you're an adventure traveler, when I say that, like, it is more of an adventure, like you're going to get wet, you're going to get dirty. I didn't even go on all the nature walks and like, you know, they would always make fun of me like, oh, Jan and Katie. So I must pass out from the back of the canoe. I think I've been on a lot of deadlines, but I didn't realize how much of a reset it was to be, to be somewhere without Wi-Fi. It couldn't work. You know, just my only job is to observe. And I think that it's so much better than walking because I saw so much more. Like we got to that junction where the Amazon River meets the meets the Rio Negro, like the famous line. It literally looks like someone looks like the Rainbow Mountain in the water. Someone painted a stripe. And if you were on a trek, I mean, I don't know how far you would have to go like to get anywhere, you know? Wow, 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 wow. In the in the in the few seconds we have left, uh, I guess, is there anything we forgot about this trip that you uh, think we needed to cover? I just wanted to make sure we touched all the bases because this sounds like an awesome trip, despite the dangers. <laughs> it's not that I think it's. I really want to say there are more crew on this trip than there are guests. Okay. You know, so it's luxury in that level. I'm telling you, I felt very covered because I myself wanted to find an anaconda and a jaguar because I'm an idiot. And they're like, yeah. Well, see, I'm like you. I would have wanted to see them too. I yes, wanted to see them yes. in their natural habitat, but I have enough sense to stay away from an anaconda, okay? I, I, I've well, seen them up close yeah. a couple times. <laughs> yeah, like it's, if you want something that's going to feel like it's at the same time, like like you are out there and like it's very much... So I think people can go back and forth because you can make it as educational 
as you want to make it. Do you know what I mean? Like there are like, I think some people like are more interested in hearing about different types of birds and like, cause you're with these people are encyclopedic information. Like you can tailor it to sort of what you want to do, but it forces you to live in a way out there that like, I didn't, I'm happy. I wasn't on a cruise that had like a, a hot tub on the roof where I was watching the sunrise sunset with champagne. Like I felt like I was sort of, I felt like because the, the ship is beautiful. If you're an aesthetics person, it's highly Instagrammable, but you sort of feel like you're in the most cleanest, like purest possible experience of the Amazon and having people who are from the Amazon as your guide is just, I think for me, just like, cause I've gone on other tours where you're with sometimes, you know, if you're with someone from America, not like they're not experts and they're not passionate, but it just makes a difference in terms of like, you know, I learned a lot of like, i learned a lot about like, you know, the shamans and the histories there and the sort of history of religion in the Amazon really fascinating and ayahuasca and the whole ayahuasca ceremonies. And I didn't take it, but like, if I wanted to, I know who I want to call. I know where I want to do it. If I wanted to go to an actual shaman, like these parts of Amazon, Amazonian culture that have been commodified by like society at large. Like I feel like now everyone's obsessed with ayahuasca and shamans. Everyone like that guy who stormed the Capitol called himself a shaman. Like, no, like this is like the heart of like where a lot of this sort of like the spirituality begins. And it almost reminds me of going to Nepal and everyone's like doing the prayer hands and namaste and everything. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, LA yoga culture has like just snatched from Nepal, you know? And it's fascinating to see like the origins of things and yeah, to have, it's, I feel like even if you don't think you know a lot about Amazonian culture, like I feel like you'll be fascinated. It'll be fascinating. Cause I think it has, I, I just mentioned the shamans, but that's something, you know, from the Amazon and just, right. it's fascinating. Well, on that note, I know you got to run because you got a very important uh, engagement to get to. Um, so we're going to let you go. But uh, I am very, very glad we talked about the Amazon. I know we've been planning to do this for quite some time and you're always on the road. So something came up. But this this was this was too important of a travel destination to let get away from us without uh, uh, getting it. I'm, and I'm actually glad it was the first one we recorded for 2022. This is yeah. awesome. 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 Um, so for those of you listening again, this is Catherine Parker Magyar, which is her website, CatherineParkerMagyar.com. Her Twitter handle is KPM 1231, which happened to be her birthday. I believe happy birthday. Belatedly, <laughs> mine, was, mine was exactly, mine was exactly one week after yours. Um, Love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Capricorns unite. Yeah, you go. And let me see. Your Facebook is katie.parkerbagiar and your Instagram is, uh, I'm doing this from memory, Catherine. Help me out here. Instagram. Um, just Catherine Parker Magyar. Magyar. There you there go. There aren't many of me. So if you just look up Catherine Parker Magyar, everything you find will be relevant. I think oh. I'm the only one. And, I'm and, the only Parker Magyar Catherine. That, that's true. And by the way, sign up for her newsletter. I get them and Thank I you. read them uh, quite religiously. They're, some of the stuff that you've got in there is really special and it's unique to you. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a travel experience that maybe other people have had, but the way you write the stories are unique to you. So I just wanted to make sure people understood to go there. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think so. I've done the postcard on the Amazon, but if not, I know I have that queued up. I should uh, do one. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, I actually yeah. found I actually found your Forbes story through your um I think what it what how did I find it? I actually just did it while we since we've been on the on the call. Yeah, you do have a little bit of a postcard under the South America tr- section. Oh, amazing. Yeah, wow. so so it's there. Anyway, Catherine, on behalf of my dear friend Mr. Dave freezing in New York City, thanks for doing this. <laughs> and um uh, looking forward to whatever we talk about next month. I don't know what that is yet. We'll discuss that off air, but uh, have a, a a great rest of your month of January and uh, hopefully COVID is continuing behind you. By the way, before you get out of here, is there another trip you're going on anytime soon we need to know about? I was supposed to go to Rwanda this month and that mm. was postponed. I'm going to Aspen. I'm in Wyoming. I mean, I think it would be cool to do a story on Jackson Hole, do a podcast on Jackson Hole and like maybe just the American West, larger American West would be cool. But like everything it. I found on my end is a little bit delayed because people are now, I think the travel industry at large is sort of thinking about how we reconsider with Omicron. Like for for Rwanda, at least there were like, what made us delay it is because there were um, mandatory quarantines before and after. And then people are like, we don't know what'll happen. So I'm happy I got to Fiji because it seems like we're going to encounter a little bit of a of an up in the air situation for international travel. But when it picks back up, you know, hopefully Tahiti, Germany, Argentina, and Fiji. Okay. You got 
Cool, cool. Anyway, Catherine, thank you so much. And we will check in with you again, probably within the next 30 days for whatever adventure we decide to put on. Um, and on behalf of Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long. We'll see you next week on another edition of Tripcast 360.